I realize your guy's show is for the lore, which means I can actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, November 21st, back on our regular day. However, both Vince and I are not exactly feeling our best today, both of us suffering from various cold, flu, Ebola-like symptoms. And uh, Joe is actually going to be quite a bit late because his old girl popped a tire, and so he had to go and be the white knight, which is, you know, a visual we didn't need. So, how are you doing? Well, in unrelated news, I've just found an article about bacon lube. Really? How does yeah. that matter right now? It, it's popped up. I, You were busy messing around with your cables. It happened. Okay. Cable singular. <laughs> Only one. And it's a big one. Now, we did get some very disappointing news this week. Very, very disappointing uh. news. And that is that Torchlight 2 has been delayed. And they're actually not saying till when either. <laughs> I, I will give them credit that they kind of made me laugh saying, like, you wouldn't have time to play this game anyway. And Travis Baltry, the president of Verdict Games, went on and listed a crap load of the AAA titles that are out right now, saying you're too busy with these anyways, you wouldn't have time with it to, to play Torchlight 2. But I, it still is very disappointing. Well, you can tell these guys used to work at Blizzard because they said the game will come out when it's done, which will be soon. <laughs> Yeah. Now that said too, it's they are saying that it's because they want to implement a beta and make sure that it is actually doing, it is spot on when they do release it. So you can't fault them too much for that. And the fact is, they're right. There are so many games right now to play that this would have been just another one to take me away from Batman. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't need that. I want to go back to Batman. But like I've said before, Skyrim is been owning my soul as with you and we were joking around about that during the the pre-show there um the thing that i i don't want to touch too much on skyrim because it's not even in the goddamn show notes it just keeps coming back up because it's awesome but there was this uh the daily blink image that they put out which was the unfair comparison between wow and skyrim <laughs> and i don't know if you guys have seen this but it's absolutely hysterical and just to go through the list real fast when you're level four in WoW, you kill boars and collect apples. In Skyrim, you beat a dragon to death and rip its soul through its neck. <laughs> Exploring is rewarded with powers, abilities, and quests and gear in Skyrim. Swimming fatigue in WoW. When a warrior shouts in WoW, you gain 582 attack power. In Skyrim, you freeze enemies and breathe fire while running like a juggernaut at the speed of sound. <laughs> 
<laughs> Killing poultry, which is kind of funny, in Skyrim is a complex moral crime causing the hatred and violence of villagers, whereas in WoW it's an achievement. And then the last one, which is of course the same for both, after an encounter with an evil, ancient evil, he escapes with one HP, declaring that this was only a setback. I just thought that was hysterical because it's so true. I mean, you think about WoW and the stuff that we do in WoW, and there's so much of it that is has so little importance in, in game importance really there there are of course some some epic quest lines and all that but when you're looking at skyrim and the shit that you do from the get-go and like battling these freaking dragons and everything it is epic from the get-go there's nothing trivial in skyrim yeah. and you never get called a noob ever not even the villagers i love that except that jarl's son that kid's a dick <laughs> Okay, moving on from there, we actually do have a little Batman news as well that we're going to touch on before we get into the meat of the show, and that is you actually found some cool Easter eggs that you were saying. Well, I didn't find them. I didn't play the game that long, but I found some good information about them, and they could be very important because there was a huge Easter egg hidden in the original Arkham Asylum that literally nobody found until Rocksteady told people how to find it. Uh See, I don't. I never thought that it was that big an Easter egg. I mean, it. Well, it, it didn't it, say enough. No, it's not. It wasn't huge, but in retrospect, it kind of points the direction. Yeah. Pointed the direction towards Arkham City, and or yeah, Arkham City, and that's what we got here. So, in Arkham Asylum, there was this wall that you could blow up. That unless you knew you could blow it up, there was no way to tell. It didn't look different. It didn't scan different. You just kind of had to go around randomly trying to blow everything up, and behind the wall, you saw. Hugo Strange's plans for the city, so drawing the line between one game and the next. So in Arkham City, there's a lot of really cool Easter eggs. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about the Killer Croc one. That one was really awesome. I had to watch it on YouTube because I missed it at the time. Um, of course, there's Harley's pregnancy test, which everybody pretty much knows about at this point. But then there's some really obscure ones. If you take out your cryptographic sequencer and tune it to several seemingly random channels, you will hear a series of numbers followed by a little chime. And people with a lot of time on their hands have taken these numbers and actually deciphered them. Uh, a, lot the, a lot of them are uh, pretty simple to figure out, you know, just letter swaps and whatnot. The first one says, I will return, Batman. And the second, you will pay for what you have done to me. <laughs> And a lot of people thought this was you know, some sort of return to, of the Joker thing. But then there was a third one that was even more obscure. Uh, you had to go through these complex ciphers, and I don't know how these guys figured this out. And it required a keyword in order to finally unlock it. And the keyword was Scarecrow. And the oh. final message was, fear will tear Gotham City to shreds. So Scarecrow was nowhere to be found in Arkham City, and he was such a huge impact in Arkham Asylum, it seemed a little odd. So it looks like they kind of pulled him out of Arkham City to set up something bigger down the road. Uh, you can even go down to the docks. Um, there was a Riddler puzzle, and the solution was you found this little shipping label to Dr. Crane. Well, on that same exact ship, if you take out your sequencer again, you'll randomly find something you can unlock. You use the code City of Terror. And the ship opens up and you can go down inside and find Scarecrow's hidden lab with a prisoner that he's been running tests on. It's absolutely crazy. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And knowing that Rocksteady likes to hide these little Easter eggs in the game that point the direction that they're going, 
it looks like Scarecrow could be a very important player in the next Arkham game. That is very, very cool, actually. Awesome. My, uh, Like I was saying earlier, too, my son has actually finished the main campaign. He's about 75% of everything else. And uh, it was pretty disappointing, though, to find out that the... I thought that, and so did he, that you unlocked some of the skins as you went along from the skins pack mm-hmm. that we saw. You don't. And you, don't, you can buy the skins pack later on if you want for five bucks. But you actually can't change the skin... The, your your costume until you've already beaten the game and then on your <laughs> next playthrough which is a tougher playthrough then you can play as someone else and i'm sorry but that is What's the point absolute stupidity and the fact that you can't change until after and most people aren't going to play again anyways hell most people aren't going to finish the game most people don't <laughs> finish games and so to make it so that you can't actually play as you know batman beyond or any of the other batman wow that really really disappointed me a lot but you paid money for it that, like that's even worse it's not like it was something extra you, these this is stuff people paid actual money for yeah very very disappointing anyways let's move away from there now and the big news that we're actually going to cover this week is that finally the nda is off of star wars the old republic which Yay. means that you are getting all of the chatter about everything in the game right now and you can finally talk about that game that you've been playing I have been playing Star Wars The Old Republic, yes. You have indeed. <laughs> all right. It's all yours. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Got to get Seriously? that out of the way. It, <laughs> it happened, man. Just roll with it. Uh, before I get into the, the, the gameplay and all that stuff, um, I have to give credit to BioWare for just how much they have improved the game in the couple months I've been playing it. Uh, the first beta build I play, I started playing back in, I think it was early September, just uh, look for the time when Roger started making even more fun of me than usual. And it, 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 the game was fine, but you know, loading times were really bad, that there was a lot of lag. A lot of stuff just flat out didn't work. And it, over the last couple beta builds, it has been huge improvements to what we've seen uh, in the latest build, which a lot of you guys played uh, this past weekend. Oh, two weekends ago? Yeah, two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. ago, yeah. Where the game runs really smooth, not that much loading time. Sure, there's lag and server issues, but I mean, that's to be expected. And it, it sort of sorted itself out. So I'm really glad to see a, a proper beta being done these days because so, so many games we see the beta where it's you know a glorified demo. So uh, I'm very happy. Yeah, but I mean, that's still the floodgates haven't been opened. So the fact yeah. that the first night there were queues of over 4,000 still gives me you know pause for concern i'm not looking more on that side of things but the actual game game the way it runs itself like yeah i I can't uh, attest to their server structures and whatnot but just physically playing the game it is a much better experience now than it was a couple months ago true but all i'm saying is that that may change when there are a lot more people in the world as well i don't know but yeah I'm giving credit where where it is due. I might not be giving the proper amount of credit, but (laughs) there is credit there. Uh, So when the beta first started up, um, the first character I made was a consular because I decided if I'm going to play a Star Wars game, the first thing I got to do is play something that uses a lightsaber. So I went with the consular because it seemed the farthest away from what I normally would have tried. Um, I was very interested in the Inquisitor, so I decided to let me try out the Republic uh, version of it. And putting it out there, when you get the game, 
play either a Jedi Knight or a Consular through the first planet because that is just a great experience. And I didn't like it. I didn't really? finish it all, though. I'll say that much. Oh, no, okay? the, I didn't the, fin- the, the ending of the quest line when you're crafting your own lightsaber and the, the scenery and the music and everything, it's just one of those quintessential Star Wars moments that I, it kind of almost gave me chills. I it, Not for me. For some reason, the the counselor one really did nothing for me. Now I didn't do the Jedi. Oh, I'm not Knight, saying so. the storyline was that great, but the the actual scene of crafting your okay, own okay, yeah, yeah. But for me, it was more about the story because I mean, look at what we get from the other storylines. And and that kind of that's kind of bothers me because there was a lot of potential there for the consular, uh, having to go across the galaxy and gain knowledge of this dark side ritual that's been cast on all these Jedi Masters. And I thought there was a lot of cool potential there for especially the way I was trying to play my consular. But it just never really developed. It turned into a galaxy-spanning fetch quest. So it was disappointing. But I did like the consular the way I was playing it. I went as the Jedi Shadow advanced spec, and I was uh, leveling it up as a tank, actually. And I just thought that was a cool concept of having the caster character also being able to tank. And it was so much fun because you start off and you get your first companion, uh, Kaizen, a Trandoshan hunter. Cool character. Loved Kaizen. And starting off, he was the tank. And, you know, I was throwing rocks or once I learned my shadow spec, sneaking up behind and backstabbing and all that stuff. But then once I learned my tanking skills, I instantly switched Kaizen over to his offensive stance. And then I started tanking. And it was just a really cool experience Slightly different from a lot of tanking I've done in other games because the consular isn't so much about mitigation. It's more like um, like a feral druid. So it's a lot about the avoidance and that sort of stuff. I just found it uh, pretty fun to play, especially with having my own NPC companion that just wasn't going to stand in the fire and actually do what I told <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, really. <laughs> now, that being said, did you do a lot of grouping with other people so that you could tank for a group? Um, at the point where I started tanking, uh, actually the quest line broke and I couldn't continue playing my consular anymore (laughs) than that. (laughs) It was beta. True. Very true. Okay. Because I'm curious (laughs) how effective they will be as tanks as well. Because, I mean, in WoW, well, in any MMO too, you know the developers have their favorite tanks. And the others are rarely as effective as the ones they want to tank. And so I'm curious about the old Republic, how it's going to be for the tanks, because a lot of the classes can tank, but are they really supposed to tank? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of just kind of a wait and see at this point. Yeah. I can't give you too much. All I know is I was taking on several elite mobs at a time without a healer. and I didn't have any trouble. Really nice. Yeah. And that was, that was questing level. I mean, those weren't, you know, dungeon elite mobs, but they, they would kind of mess you up if you didn't do it right. Uh, so, Consular was broken. I switched over to Bounty Hunter, and Joe's talked a lot about the Bounty Hunter. I don't want to rehash what he said, but I played Bounty Hunter to almost level 30, and man, that was so much fun. Comparing it to uh, Hunter and WoW, which, I mean, it's a ranged damage-dealing class, it's just the way the Bounty Hunter can move around the battlefield makes the game feel a lot different. Sure, it's still your typical hotkey-based combat, but the amount of movement and tactics you can put into your fights, because at 
as you go up in levels, you're starting to face mobs of four or five enemies at a time. So you really have to plan out your encounters, especially if some of them are strong or elite mobs, taking them out in the right order, using your skills. And it, it was very fun. I did not think I was going to like uh, the bounty hunter as much as I did, and I loved it. I was playing him as the uh, mercenary, the dual pistols uh, DPS spec, and it was so much fun. What about the storyline for it, though? Oh, I loved the storyline because, I mean, you think the bounty hunter is just, you know, his storyline is basically he gets a bunch of contracts and he has to go kill people. But they throw so many interesting twists. Uh, one of the early contracts you get after you leave Drum and Cass, uh, once you, be, you know, win your entry into the Great Hunt, which is uh, his goal. And, and for uh, folks folks in, you know, listening, Drum and Cass is actually not even the freaking beginning, beginning. That's no. actually the, <laughs> the second planet you're on. So you're talking about stuff that you were level what at? Uh, this was somewhere in the early 20s. Okay. And this was still like act one of his story. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And you get to this imperial planet. I forget which one. Uh, forgive me. And your target is like this uh, imperial colonel. And, well, he's up in the Star Destroyer. You're not going up there to kill him. So what you do is you go down to the planet and you deal with one of his lackeys. And um, the, this guy, the lieutenant or whatever, wants to take down the person that's above him in the hierarchy so that he can move up. So your entire quest line on that planet, and it's a huge quest line, plus all of the regular stuff going on, is to just mess up the planet as much as possible cause chaos release insects into farms i mean mess up water supplies blow up fuel depots it's absolute chaos to the point where the colonel has to come down to the planet to confront <laughs> what's going on and that's how you lure your 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 quarry out it was really fun i i didn't i wasn't expecting it to be that interesting i, I was expecting more straightforward just go kill this dude that's actually pretty awesome yeah um uh, beyond that, in later beta builds, I actually didn't play as much as I did in that first build because, you know, once you have your characters wiped out, you kind of got to get up that uh, motivation to play again. So I was trying out some different stuff. Uh, I was really busy at the time, didn't have a whole lot. I tried out the Smuggler. Honestly, it wasn't really doing it for me, but I think that was more the way I was playing it. Um, I went the Scoundrel spec, which is the stealth slash healing spec. And so I'm trying to stealth up to the enemies, blast them with my shotgun, and then run back to cover. It just... I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't doing it right, but it just wasn't working out for me. And uh, the latest build, I've been doing a Jedi Knight just because I'm kind of running out of classes that I don't want to play once it goes live. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me try out the Jedi Knight. And it's been OK. Uh, it, it's just by the nature of the fact of what the Jedi are, they have the least interesting stories. That's see, I didn't do the night again, so I didn't know if that was going to be the same thing with the night. But that's I, I just did not find the counselor storyline epic in any way especially when you compare it to the inquisitor mm -hmm. i mean which is just the the faction reversal there and but the inquisitor storyline was insanely cool and i mean you're a slave that's brought in for training they hate your ass <laughs> the main <laughs> dude that's in charge of you wants you dead he's got his favorite already pupil which i thought was a little kind of corny but they, they still made it work and you have to keep fighting and fighting and it was just again this fantastic epic storyline especially if you played it using the most vile options possible at that <laughs> point you're really getting the most out of it and then all of the quest lines that were not class specific in that area 
I found worked very, very well with the class-specific quests as well. So that was kind of cool. Like, if you didn't play a Sith warrior, then you you actually haven't seen any of those quests yet. Did you play uh, much through Drummond Cass? Just seriously, very, very little. Not much. Right. I uh, Well, no, I shouldn't say that, actually. I... Because I made my way up to level 17 on her. Mm -hmm. So I did a number of quests there, yeah. Did you do the Revenite quest? Oh, you're going to have to be more clear than that. All right. I, I, it's something I'd mentioned to you off the record <laughs> way back when. <laughs> on the hush. Because <laughs> I was playing my bounty hunter. And as I t said last week, I was playing him as you know the guy that always honored the contract. Yes. So I go do this quest where... I have to lure out the leader of the Revenites, you know, the cult of Revan from the Knights of the Old Republic games. And he's become kind of this symbol to the Imperial people that you, it, it's really complicated. I don't want to go into it because it's a really great quest line to the point where they were winning me over to their side with the storyline and the quest. And then I got to the end and I it was very difficult for me to make the dark side decision and fulfill my contract instead of actually helping the Revenites. That was and that's on the second planet in the game, and it's one of the best quests oh. I did my entire time. No, I didn't do that one. I I did do a bunch of them on there. I remember especially because I was using that freaking taxi to go all over the place. <laughs> Thank God for that taxi system, because otherwise you're wasting a lot of time running. So they did a good job with that, because you can taxi to a lot of different places. Um, and they also made it so that you can, quote unquote, hearth to all of the major places as long as you discover them. And there's no fee for that either. So that kind of helps as well. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I was taxiing all over the damn place. I loved, like some of the quests that I did were were really, really quite good. Some of them, again, some of those quests kept me up till three in the morning. Um, <laughs> and I was choosing all the bad ones as well. Like when there was the, um, the one that was the human hunt, not the human, but humanoid hunt, like real people hunt, that mm -hmm. they were hunting real people. And I had to put a mark on a guy who'd been complaining to me earlier. I don't know if I you did that, that one. That yeah. Was, yeah. And it was like, <laughs> no hesitation there for me. Screw that. And I put a mark on him. Are you going to die, buddy? But, <laughs> They're but coming they, for they you. Did, they did their best to make you feel bad about it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I did that. And then with the Inquisitor as well, on that planet, there are a lot of very, very, very cool quests that come up. Because what happens is that when you are starting off again, you've got that I don't know if he's a general or whatever. Your 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 main master kind of dude. He does not like you at all. But his boss really does like you, and she's willing to give you more flexibility and things like that. And then as she finds out that he's not, you know, being that honest with how he's doing things, and then then shit kind of goes bad for him. But you continue then doing quests for her, and I can't remember her name. Once you're on Drum and Cast. And that's when it starts to get really interesting because I thought it was interesting before that. But once you're on Drum and Cast and you're working with her, now all of a sudden that that web of intrigue, which is something that I just did not find again with the with the consular, um, nor really with the uh, the smuggler either when I played him. But that 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 intrigue and everybody you gotta there's that mesh of everybody's got their fingers and everybody else's business kind of thing. You really get a lot more of that in the um, the imperial side and i found that as well with the imperial agent so and i like that it's so much cooler storylines yeah i'm hoping i'm going to get some some of that with the the trooper but where, where he's in the middle of everything there and that's where i was going to say the one exception i found was with the trooper but it's not as much 
it's not as much that kind of right. intrigue spy thriller kind of story so much as military story for him so it's a military action movie essentially versus a spy thriller that you get from the others which mm-hmm. very 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 different feel which doesn't take away from how cool it is though but no the trooper was fantastic in that regard and there is some intrigue and whatnot but it's i mean the foreshadowing is there so mm-hmm. but yeah all right, so uh, beyond that, uh, I was actually able to experience a few things that you guys didn't really have the time for, um, most notably the space combat. Yes. And I never got to I, go on my goddamn ship. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will preface this with the true statement that at this point, the space combat doesn't really add anything to the game. It's entirely extra. Um, hopefully, as time goes on, it can be more integrated into the core game, but it doesn't really do anything for you know the storytelling or whatever. That said, it's freaking fun as hell. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a rail shooter. Uh, you can guide your ship around to dodge projectiles and whatnot, but you can't steer it and everything. But, I mean, the battles they put you in the middle in, these huge fleet battles with cannon batteries going off and missiles flying around, asteroids, explosions, fleets of ships, star destroyers, TIE fighters, you name it. it it's just... It's a spectacle, and it was a lot of fun. Even though you kind of have to repeat them early on, uh, sort of like dailies, until you can upgrade your ship to the point where you can take on the harder ones. Uh, I do believe they've kind of streamlined that process in later builds, but I haven't gotten any of my later characters up to a high enough level to really try it out again. Which is what level? uh, Basically, once you finish your second planet, either Coruscant or Dromenkas. So 20-ish. Approximately, maybe a little earlier. I was close on my Inquisitor then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, if you if you really want to try it out in the next beta build, just focus on your main storyline. Don't do any of the, the side stuff, and you can get there a lot quicker. Uh, it might be a little harder because you're underleveled, but yeah. um, if you just want to see the space combat, it's an option. And it's, it's just fun. It doesn't add anything, and I, I'm hoping it will. Uh, they've kind of teased the possibility that they might almost be working on, a, you know, a multiplayer version of it. But it, it's all conjecture at this point. But it, it is really fun. <laughs> I can't really say anything other than that, though. Now, the thing with the being able to go on anybody in your party, their ship and whatnot, too, when you're traveling between planets. In all honesty, what is the purpose? What what? What would you gain by that other than the cool factor? Um, I, From what I gather in the latest uh, edition of the beta notes, that with your, uh, your, um, your space combat missions, you can start ordering cosmetic upgrades to your ship instead of just you know, extra shields and whatnot. But I, again, I can't uh, say for sure. Because I don't see any reason why I would want to go into, say, your ship. If we have to go to a planet mm-hmm. and we're both flying there, then I, other than just the cool factor of right. we stay there, in the same ship, that's that's it. There's no gameplay reason for it, but I, I like that they added it in, A, for role-playing, because I'm sure there's people who will want to do that, and B, just because people were asking for it. Yeah. So they put in something oh, people wanted. And I think it's awesome. I do think it's awesome. I, I'm not the type to to role play but i think it's goddamn cool that you can go in somebody else's ship and wander around now that being said as well too like i've seen the pictures and whatnot and the videos of it how big is it when you're walking around inside and use mass effect as an example um not anywhere remotely as big as the normandy i'd say maybe as big as one deck on the normandy um so mass effect 2 you'd have the bridge the the ops area uh, Jacob's Armory and Morden's 
uh, lab. That that's that one level is basically about the same size as your entire ship in uh, Old Republic. Okay. Well, that's still not that bad, actually. Yeah, it's populated with NPCs, and it, it's it's packed in there because again, this isn't a, a star cruiser. This isn't going to have a crew. It's you and a couple of people. So I mean, it's more Millennium Falcon size than you know the Normandy. Exactly. Yeah, which is what it has to be. Now that being said, too, are the people that are on the NPCs on the ship are those your companions? Yes. So as you go on, does it become something like Mass Effect where you can interact with your NPCs on the ship for yes. quest lines and things like that? Yes. And as as your affection with your NPCs grows, um, that's separate from the light side, dark side thing. It's more like Dragon Age where your companions will approve of certain ways you act instead of necessarily your decisions. Like Kaizen... Uh, the hunter on my consular character, he was always about strength of the individual. Whether it was light side or dark side, it didn't matter, but it was his personal philosophy. So as your affection grows, you earn uh, extra story bits and supposedly extra full-on quest lines later on from your companions. Yeah. See, I I love that because I loved the time on the... um the ships or the ship in in Mass Effect dealing with all of the um all of the companions and things like that and furthering those quest lines so yeah. i really am actually looking forward to that and the fact that again if you are populating your ship with your companions as you're getting them i think that's freaking awesome i love mm-hmm. that and i think it would be interesting again conjecture because i haven't experienced it but if you go on somebody else's ship and can talk to their companions and not just you know the the actual companions themselves, but they act the way they've been raised by that character. I think that would be pretty nifty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, crafting. Uh, it's very different. It's nothing like any other game where oh man, I want to craft. You go hit a button and then go make a sandwich. Because in this game, the crafting is done entirely by your crew. Uh, there are a multitude of crafting skills in the game. Uh, we're going to use my bounty hunter as an example again. Uh, you can choose three. One from the crafting profession. So uh, for my bounty hunter, I chose arms tech to make guns. Before you go any further, dude, I went to the area to train on drum and crafts <laughs> for, for, for professions, and it scared me. It scared me enough that yeah. I said, I'm not doing this during a beta weekend. It's going to be way too complicated. Yeah, Does it get your... less complicated? Well, read your codex. Go around, talk to all the trainers, and you'll get codex entries. And then you'll learn how all the different crafts work together and which oh, uh, <laughs> which ones you want to get together. So I got the uh, the arms, arms, whatever I just said. <laughs> and then to go with that, I got, um, I believe it was archaeology. So uh, while I'm traveling throughout the world, I can find certain bits and pieces, and uh, I gain crystals uh, for like focusing the lasers and all that stuff or maybe it was scavenging to get metal i forget which one yeah art uh, archaeology was on my consular to get focusing crystals for the lightsaber but i, I got uh salvaging i think it was to get metal for my weapons and then you also get a mission type uh for the bounty hunter i got i think it was treasure hunting where you don't gather anything, you don't craft anything. It's purely a mission, uh, kind of like Assassin's Creed, where you just send them off and then they, they come back with, you know, loot. Uh, there's a chance to fail. There's a chance to succeed. The better the loot, the longer it takes. But then again, your companions also have certain skills that they're better at. So you can send the – if you send the appropriate companion on the appropriate quest, you'll get, you know, a 15% reduction in the amount of time it takes. But that's the best thing, that you are not doing it. So well, I'm not out just in the that- game – 
not just that, but you can send one companion. You got other companions still you yes. can choose from for what yes. you're doing in the actual game. Yeah, it was slow early on uh, because all I had was Mako. So I, while I'm out uh, questing, I'm not going to send her off because you know I need her firepower. So we're just gathering stuff, and then as we get back to town, I send her off on missions while I'm just talking to NPCs and selling crap and everything. That's so smart. then you know, yeah. and then once I got my ship, you get your second companion, your little uh, protocol droid. And from then on, it really picks up the pace because then you can be doing crafting while you're questing. That's kind of awesome, actually. And I, so and you know it, what I think about crafting. Yeah. So they've taken a full crafting system. And trust me, this is no joke with the amount of stuff you can craft in this game. And it takes no time away from the gameplay short of going into the menu and clicking a couple buttons. Well, it actually gives it an extra layer of depth even. Mm-hmm. And even if you, you're about to log off for the night... That's when you send your companions on, like, the long-term missions or have them craft, like, the, the most uh, in-depth stuff that's going to take the longest amount of time. Because when you log back in the next day, they're done. That's, yeah, okay, yeah. That's really cool. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and then finally, the item modifications, which we touched on before. It's how you can upgrade an existing piece of armor. Uh, with newer stats just by swapping out the mods that are within the item. It's like completely modular. It's something that they've refined a lot over the course of the beta. Uh, when I first started playing, basically every item you had had all of its mod slots in it. And trust me, it was overwhelming. <laughs> like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, I didn't either. When I was playing and I saw the stuff with the mods too, I was like, okay, well, pff, it's not like I'm going to be caring about this character or their gear mm -hmm. anyway. So here's the thing. Here's a mod. Just slap it in. I don't care what it does. Yeah. But now that they've refined the system so that you start finding the mod stuff as you level up, uh, the lower level stuff doesn't have any, and then you find one with like one mod slot and two mod slots. And so you get to the higher level stuff, which is fully moddable. So you can take, uh, let's say uh, I get a random world drop on my bounty hunter, and it's a cool piece of uh, Sith warrior gear. It's heavy armor, so I can wear it, but it's got strength and endurance, which I don't need because I'm a healer, let's say. So I can take, go to the auction house or even make my own, get the, all the mods with the appropriate stats I need and put them into that piece of armor because I really like the way it looks on my character. So I can then take that piece of armor that's not intended for me and similar to reforging, but you have complete control over the statistics on these items. So I can swap out all of the strength for aim. I can swap out all of the endurance for alacrity. So now I've made a really nice piece of healing gear out of what was originally intended to be a tanking piece. Yeah, see, I love that. And, I mean, that's uh, everything I have experienced. Um, I did a couple of the early-level flashpoints and was not met with uh, great success, but they were fun. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in those early beta builds, there weren't a lot of flashpoints. They've added a lot in over the last couple months. So I, there's a lot of stuff they've added into the game since I've started playing that I haven't even touched yet. Cool. But I've been playing the game for free for two and a half months, months now, yeah. and I cannot wait to get to the point where I can start paying for it. That's 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 how much I'm into this game because well, I've been I've been avoiding all the stuff I really want exactly to do. exactly. So if I if I'm enjoying the stuff that I didn't want to do this much, I can only imagine what it's going to be like once I actually get my hands on my trooper, my inquisitor, my agent. Well, the thing too is that whenever you're playing a beta, is it's uh, I find it it's a lot more difficult to care about your character because you know they mean nothing, especially in an MMO. So. 
it means something once you can start it's official and that character is your character and that's saying a lot considering how attached i got to the characters that i was playing just during a weekend Mm -hmm. uh also this week we got the new flashpoint hammer station uh cool little thing uh where am i here sorry uh the hammer a powerful prototype battle station developed by the republic was believed to have been destroyed during the war However, this terrible weapon has re-emerged in the hands of the Advazek, uh, kind of Batarian-looking things, who are using it to conquer unaligned worlds in the Outer Rim. Setting out to stop the Advazek's campaign, an Imperial Strike team assaults the hammer and battles to take control. Uh, cool video on the website. Uh, it looks to be an Empire-only uh, flashpoint at this uh, point, but that's not a bad thing, and it just looks like it's pretty fun. Yeah, not bad. I like that they got their ass kicked in the demo of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they, did, they didn't come home the victors. Yeah. You know, one of them got blown off a bridge by a grenade. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you want to cover the legacy system and give me a chance to break here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the um, This was just announced, too, and it's, it's causing a lot of conversation on the Star Wars forums. <laughs> like I was thinking, I was talking to Joe about this. Star Wars forum nerds make Star Trek forum nerds look like pussies because they were going ballistic about this. And basically what it is, is that Bioware has announced that they're going to be putting in this legacy system for your for a last name, last name that you can impose set up for any characters that you have. Now there's a lot of questions that have not yet been answered. And there have been a lot of questions because they had to close down the first thread on this because there were too many replies. They opened up a second one and they may very well have had to open up another thread after that because it was already getting close to full by the time I got to it. And so what it is, is that this legacy system, I'm going to read you exactly what it says online. Um, to, 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 at its core, the legacy system is about allowing players to create a family tree of characters. Family is pretty important to the Star Wars universe with the, the Skywalker family having one of the most in, interesting dynamics in movie history. This version is just a fundamental components that will be used to build upon in the future. And they're saying here are the features. Once your character has completed the chapter one storyline, which you said is after you're done the second planet, correct? Um, I actually did. I think it's even beyond that. Okay. Because I think up until the second planet, that's still considered the prologue. Okay. So you're, this is quite a way in then. Uh, mm. They will be able to choose a legacy last name. This legacy last name must be unique and is shared across all characters on that server, so choose carefully. Once you have unlocked your legacy and all of your characters on that server will now contribute to that player's legacy experience points, which they don't go much into detail about what you're actually going to get from that. Much like normal experience points, when you reach certain legacy thresholds, you will increase your legacy level. And blah, 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 plans for how they'll expand the functionality of the legacy system is in their first uh, major post-ship patch. So, and there was another, I'm going to find the other thread that was started on this because they did put a little bit more information in that one. I've got it right here. And they were saying... Um, the one about how you can choose to display the names if you want? Yeah, that was, I'm, I've got it from the show notes here. They, yeah, I've got it. They yeah. did answer some of the, th the, the questions, well, just a couple, and that you will be able to display your last name after your name if you want or under your name as the, and they use Firewalker as a an example. So you can either have your name as your name, 
Firewalker or your name and underneath the Firewalker legacy. Or you can choose not to have it at all. So that is causing a, a lot of stir because basically people are wondering about how this is going to make sense. They're putting this in for role players. However, it's not going to make sense to have it cross server, which at one point there was speculation it might be, but that the has... the initial post had a uh, mistype in it saying it was for all characters. Period, not all characters on that server. Yeah, because it looked like they changed it to just server, so that's that's fine. Cross race makes no sense if if all of the if they only give you one option per server mm -hmm. for a last name, it makes no sense that various races are going to share that same last name, and then cross faction as well doesn't won't always make sense in some cases yeah because you've got one character that was the you know the bad egg in the family and he decided to start killing people so okay fine you can have that but it still there's still a lot of things that don't make sense about this unless they really refine it quite a bit on the other hand i love it because i don't care that much about you know the character side of things and you know the uh the role playing I like that I can play an alt and still not feel like I'm taking time. How can I say it without like a lot of people when they play an alt, they feel like they're wasting their time because it's not on their main character. This is a way that will encourage people who don't normally play alts to try out different stuff, try out new stuff and still earn something overall for their account. So for somebody who does love to play alts, I love the system. I, now, maybe I, the way it works needs some, needs some tweaking, but the system itself, I love I agree wholeheartedly. And one of the examples that was used by someone in the uh, in all of that mess was that it basically is giving our peers or altaholics something because raiders have their raids and mm -hmm. they're going to get amazing gear and, 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 and loot and everything from those raids. But the casual player who's an altaholic doesn't have that. Well, they have the option, but they choose not to because that's not their gameplay style. So this is something that will reward them. And I'm cool with that. I like that. Depending on what those rewards are that you're going to get for this legacy system, if it's nothing, if it doesn't even begin to compare to what you would get from rating or whatever, well, then it's pretty weak and fairly broken. That said, there's still a lot of questions on what they're going to do with it. And it is just an option. You don't mm -hmm. have to go into it. So so what if you don't want Rumors. to have a last name? I've been hearing uh, for the last several months about the legacy system because people have been talking about it for a long time, uh, especially on the beta forums, um, was that the legacy system was going to grant access to perhaps different playable races, which, ho, 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 is, not, ho, ho. which is not going to change the game because your playable race is essentially a cosmetic choice. So that could be really cool if that rumor turns out to be true. That would be amazing. That is finally a reward for the altaholic player mm. that is equivalent in stature, I would say, to the raider. And, you know, maybe throw, that's where you can throw in the class like maybe or the race like the Trendoshans or I forget what they're called. The dudes with the masks on their face, the characters that don't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to do the full voice acting for them, you know, just some growls and some stuff. And I think that could be an interesting way to integrate them into a playable form in the game. Granted, that is then going to create a lot of work for them, depending on just how much they want to integrate them 
into mm-hmm. the the uh, the game because then you got to start wondering if they're going to do any kind of although i guess if it's more about class specific and not race specific question yeah. then it wouldn't matter as much exactly or you know you could throw stuff in there like uh once your legacy has reached a certain point of stature you get an advanced starship again doesn't change anything about the game gameplay wise but it's it is that cool cookie that you can give people that's a damn cool cookie and quite frankly once again too they can actually keep they can give you a race that it doesn't matter if they talk or not because they can just mm-hmm. use the same voice that they use for the main acting anyways this is that, true i, I haven't quite thought of that yeah because yeah. uh because some of those, the race the doesn't always fit. Across all races, yeah. Yeah, because the one for the Imperial Agent just does not fit. If you've got a husky-looking freaking dude with the horns and stuff, he sounds a little bit like a British dork. So it doesn't fit. So, yeah, there's a lot of things. Now, the other thing that I thought would be cool with this, too, which somebody else brought up, is it's a legacy system. It's a family tree. There, There's another guy who said, I'm going to be playing with my son. I would, it would be nice if we could be in the same legacy thing because we're going to be the same family playing. And I think that would be awesome if you are allowed to have other people join your legacy or at least display that name so you share the yeah. name. That would be, that would be the seller for me. That'd be like, okay, yeah, no, this, this will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Make that happen. Yeah, definitely. So, other than that, was there anything else that you, uh, I believe I covered anything. Was there anything you might have liked to know more about that I might have skipped? No, I think we're going to have to move on because we're barely going to have time for everything else. But no, we'll uh, as we talk about other things in other episodes, we'll have to come Most back to Most of it. everything else is Joe anyway. Yeah, there is a, a video that was put out. They are in the, the, the video is in the show notes, so you can find it on the site. And it's a very cool video showing the difference in the graphic settings as they are now between max settings and lowest settings. And it's fairly cool. And I got to see some of this because on my main rig, I've got all of the settings damn near tweak to the, the the max and then on my laptop not so much not at the bottom by any stretch of the imagination but i do notice a big difference and i like that the game is set up in such a way that you can have that variance and you're going to suffer for it and when it's really low of course but you have to expect that but at least you're able to play it kind of thing and uh, but it is very cool to see just how spectacular some scenes look in this game at max level and that's not without any aa at this point yet yeah. So it's only going to get better. Okay. Now, one of the other things that we were going to talk about is the VGAs because the list of nominees was finally put out for this. We're not going to go over every single one because this doesn't really fit with a lore show kind of thing, but I did want to go over some of them just to see what your thoughts were about some of their choices. Now, the obvious one, of course, it's is the VGAs. Yeah. <laughs> They're not known for their, uh, you know, accuracy. No, not all the time. Although Bastion got a crap load of freaking nominations, including owning the best song category by having two in there, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you don't see stuff like that from a downloadable game. You just don't. (laughs) A best original score. Yeah. (laughs) Up against Arkham city, Deus Ex. I mean, those are some heavy duty competitors and Bastion stands up to them. Dude, I think it's better. For a score, they've got my vote. 
So yeah, no, I was actually talking to Greg Casavan today on, on Skype and I was congratulating him on the nominations and uh, and he was saying, yeah, they're pretty excited about all this. Now going back to uh, Game of the Year, we've got Batman Arkham City, The Elder Scrolls Skyrim, uh, Legend of Zelda, Skyward, Skyward Sword, Portal 2, and Uncharted 3. So basically what you would expect at this point too. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played them all, so I'm not going to say for all of them. Um, I, I, I cannot wait to play Uncharted 3, but it's just a matter of time. I haven't had the time to play it. But, I mean, it's not like any of these are chumps. What yeah, it's I, a tough call. At this point, from what I, I've played, I've read, I've seen, everything like that, my money is still on Skyrim as the best one so far. And to point out, because I've criticized the VGAs heavily over the last few years. Deservedly so. For a show that's on Spike TV, and again, it's not you know a big time. Like people don't feel bad when they don't win these awards. No Battlefield, no Modern Warfare. Yeah, but Modern Warfare Three did not get all of the praise that you would have thought that it would have got. A lot of people it's, were not it, impressed it, with it. Uh, it's still been getting you know very good reviews. Same thing, uh, Gears of War Three. You know th- that's one of those games I would have expected to have been in this category. Hmm. Not saying not they against to be there, but I said I expected them to be there. And the right. fact that they're not, I like that. Yeah, yeah, so do I. So of, of those, what are you thinking? Just spitballing. <sighs> Arkham City, Skyrim, somewhere in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, best Xbox game, we've got Batman Arkham City, Forza Mortar 4. <laughs> what, what do you, you're stopping finish already? The list. Finish the list. Gears of War 3, there's your Gears of War, and Portal 2. All right, um... Here's where we get the VGAs. Portal 2. It's a multi-platform release. And the PS3 version of Portal 2 was by far the superior of the two console versions. And yet it's nominated for Best 360 Game, but not Best PS3 Game. Yeah, but that's because the other PS3 games may have been better than Uh, what they felt. Infamous, Killzone. I don't uh... agree, but I'm thinking that's going to be what they're thinking. Yeah, this is is why the VGAs kind of gets into that sticky territory that they're known for. Yeah, see... and this one was a little bit difficult for me because, I, I mean, I, I love RPGs, obviously, and whatnot, but having played a lot of Forza, for the caliber of game that Forza is, compared to the caliber of game that, say, Batman is, Forza is phenomenal. Forza is incredible, what they were able to do with that game on that console. I, mm-hmm. My money would actually be on Forza for that, cat, for that category. Mm-hmm. And see, and it's weird because I haven't played any Xbox exclusive games this year outside of arcade titles. So that's a weird category for me. Yeah. And then for PS3 one, they've got Infamous 2, like you were saying, Killzone 3, um, Little Big Planet 2, which was awesome, but it can't even begin to compare with Uncharted 3. Mm-hmm. So that, and then the Wii, well, Epic Mickey, which... Those are all four games that were released for the Wii this year. Yeah, which came under <laughs> some pretty heavy, heavy critiques there. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Lost in Shadow, and the Return of Zelda Skyward Sword, which I'm betting you Skyward Sword is going to run away with that. Yeah. Uh, PC, we've got Battlefield 3, Mineshaft, or Minecraft, sorry, The Witcher <laughs> 2, and, uh, shut up, <laughs> and Portal 2. My money's on Portal 2 quite easily there. Yeah, although I would not be surprised to see Minecraft. I wouldn't be surprised to see Battlefield win that one, actually. Uh, from what I've heard, the PC version's kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess, but I bet you it still does well. Yeah. Um, handheld, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, Infin- Infinity Blade, Super Mario 3D Land, and Jetpack Joyride. You know what? In terms of what Infinity Blade did for the mm-hmm. iOS device, 
that has my vote for sure. I haven't played any of those, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, and best action adventure, Assassin's Creed Revelations. Not really surprised to see that. Arkham City, Skyward Sword again, and Uncharted 3. So we're going to see a lot of the same wow. ones there. But that, that one category. That's wow. a hard one to choose which one you're going to pick in all they honesty. They all win. Yeah, best RPG, Dark Souls, Deus Ex Human Revolutions, Dragon Age 2, and <laughs> The Elder Scrolls Five. I don't even know how you can begin to compare Dragon Age 2 with Skyrim. That makes me giggle inside. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then let's just go to where Bastion was, because we'll skip down there. Bastion was for best independent game. They're going up against Minecraft. That's going to be tough to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, which I actually played through uh, quite a bit of that, and it is freaking awesome, dude. And The Binding of Isaac, which I haven't played, but my son adores. I really like Binding of Isaac. Yeah, Cricket so sport. it's one of those I'm going to have to play. I haven't had a chance. My money is still on... I'm hoping Bastion, no, sorry. I hope Bastion wins, but I think the smart bet would be on Minecraft. Yeah. Um, best song is the other one too. Best song in a game. We've got two for Bastion. We've got Build That Wall and uh, Setting Sail Coming Home. And then we've got Exile Valify by uh, The National for Portal 2. Uh, I'm Not Calling You a Liar for Dragon Age 2. And Want You Gone by for por- by uh, Jonathan Colton for Portal 2. Eey. That one's a little tough. <laughs> I, I'm still singing Zia's theme. so <laughs> That's the thing. I really love both of those songs a lot, but I really like the exile song for portal two a lot as well so that's a hard one i i'm hoping bastion wins uh, the zia's theme is just so hypnotic it's it stays with you for so long mm-hmm. and then they're nominated for best original score against batman arkham city deus ex human revolution and portal two i pff, they've got my money hands down for that one I got to say, though, when I was uh, doing that feature last week and I was looking for the right piece of music, I listened to a lot of songs off the Arkham City soundtrack. That has a lot of good music that you don't really get when you're playing the game. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to check out more of those. Uh, What else we got? Best performance by Human Male. We've got uh, Cave Johnson. I'm just going to say the actual names. Cave Johnson, um, Portal 2, The Joker, obviously Mark Hamill, Batman Arkham City, Nathan Drake. Uncharted 3, and Wheatley for Portal 2. <laughs> That's a tough one. As much as Mark Hamill is going to run away with this, yes. just Cave Johnson is my favorite character in any game this year. That's the thing. He was phenomenal <laughs> in it. This is actually a really tough one because Cave Johnson was incredible, just so mesmerizing. Nathan Drake, I'm sorry, but Nolan North just shines in damn near everything he does. I mean, him as the, the penguin in Batman alone <laughs> was incredible let alone freaking nathan drake is what he did with penguin was insane and then wheatley was just yeah incredible as well this is a really really tough one but yeah i'm betting you hamill walks away with it just because i mean he set that bar so high Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know with it being his last role etc etc you know yeah i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) uh human uh female voice we've got um uh, Chloe Frazier for Uncharted 3. Gladys, who's going to walk away? If she doesn't, I'll be very surprised. Portal 2. Elena Fisher for Uncharted 3. Again, the, the talent in Uncharted 3 for the voice acting was great. And then Harley Quinn for Batman Arkham City. And I got to tell you, dude, I hated this freaking... Okay, hate is maybe a little strong. 
I, in comparison to the original Harley Quinn, I did not like Tara Strong as Harley Quinn at all. I, I, I will agree to that, but I still really liked Harley in the game. Like, she, yeah, oh yeah, especially her character with the stuff and that goes through in the story. She did a really good job. Yeah, but I hated that voice. It was, yeah, I, it, and it's just because I'm too tied to the other one, having mm-hmm. watched all the cartoons and the games and everything. So that's why. But Gladys has got to walk away with this. If not, there'll be an uprising. <laughs> and then best downloadable game we've got Bastion. There it is. Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet stacking entrenched. No contest. Better not be. Uh, as best... great as as much as I loved those other games, no contest. Yeah. Uh, best DLC, Fallout New Vegas, Old World, World Blues, Mass Effect 2 Arrival, Mortal Kombat, Freddy Krueger, and Portal 2 Peer Review. Really light year for DLC, huh? Yeah, kind of. Although Peer Review was awesome. I will say that. It was friggin' awesome. But Arrival, I don't know. I, I bet you Arrival gets it. Um, and most anticipated game, this, I mean, this is pretty generic stuff here infinite diablo or bioshock infinite diablo 3 halo 4 mass effect 3 or the last guardian i mean for me right now it's mass effect 3 mm-hmm. had you asked me six months or so ago without a doubt would have been diablo 3 yeah, my number two isn't even on the list so there we go and what's your number two reckoning right so yeah we gotta talk some more about that as we actually get closer to the end of the year we're gonna have our own choices that we're gonna put up loosely to discuss uh just for closing out the show here there was a little bit of news that did come out in terms of game to novel translations we're getting a borderlands novel and that's actually coming out tomorrow from what i read and that's going to be borderlands the fallen which is going to be the story uh, a story with roland the soldier I'm picking this sucker up. I can't wait to read this and see just how true to the actual game they're going to try to be with the novel. I don't know. Like I, it's hard, especially, especially with Roland being the main character. Yeah, like... not my favorite, but I mean, it's at least it's not Brick. <laughs> yeah. They went with the third most interesting character. That and that's what's going to, and, and that's the other reason why I want to read this mm-hmm. because. I'm going to go under the assumption that this is going to make Roland much more interesting to me. And that's going to be important when Borderlands 2 comes out because there are quests where you have to go and rescue Roland. So if you've got the familiarity with the character by that point and you care more about him, it's going to make those quests that much more rewarding when you're doing them in game. Mm -hmm. Um, Related to that, uh, last week I picked up the Revan novel for The Old Republic. Oh, right. Loving it. Okay. You get a great look into the inner workings of the Empire. Uh, remember that Bioware interview we saw forever ago? Talking about just how crazy the Sith yep. race actually was as the ruling class. You get every bit of that in this book. I got to pick it up then. Okay. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah, no, I, again, I I keep saying it. I'm not a fanboy, a Star Wars fanboy. But I love the game so much right now that I want to go into this sucker freaking headlong, read everything, and just immerse myself in it so that I get so much more out of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap. Thanks for everybody for uh, for joining us this evening, and the episode will be out for you tomorrow to listen to. Of course, you can find it at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore, and if you have any comments, submissions, or whatever, send them to ForTheLore at gmail.com, and we will see you guys next week on Monday.
Assassin's Creed Revelation is the last in the current Assassin's Creed series. It is easily one of the most anticipated games of the year, and for good reason. It follows the standard open-world gameplay that we've all come to know and love throughout all the Assassin's Creeds, but it adds new items to the game world for us to enjoy. First of all is an item called the Hookblade, which you can use to zipline across the city, grab enemies in combat and yank them off their feet, or pick them up and throw them. The Hookblade gives you about mm, a rather nice speed boost to get in around the cities, and also gives you a lot of variation in combat. Along with the Hookblade was the introduction of bombs and bomb crafting. The crafting in its, of itself can allow the main character Ezio 300 different bomb variations to have at his disposal. Basically, it has all the same platforming missions that you would come to expect, heavily drenched in story, and very fluid gameplay. Another addition to the game is the seizing of districts from the city from the Templars. While it is very similar to how it was in Brotherhood, the Templars will attempt to recapture a district once you have it. Ezio must defend it using a tower defense minigame where he controls a group of assassins from rooftops against several waves of Templar soldiers and siege equipment. Similar to Brotherhood, initiates can be sent on missions to other regions, eventually wrestling control from the Templars and then using the city to produce a stream of income and new assassin recruits. It is a fantastic little minigame addition to what has already been something that people have grown quite used to. Of course... What Assassin's Creed game would there be without the storyline? It has all the major characters so far. Ezio, Altair, and Desmond, the descendant of which all these memories are being unlocked. The game takes place in Constantinople in 1511 AD. It consists of four districts, Constantin, Bayezid, Imperial, and Galata. This happens during the rise of the Ottoman Empire, part of which is a completely underground city populated solely by Templars. And Masaif, which holds the old Assassin Stronghold, which was also featured in the very first Assassin's Creed game. And this is where Ezio travels at the beginning of the game. He discovers that Altair has sealed within the fortress an ancient artifact that is said to be a powerful weapon which could end the Templar and Assassin War forever, and has hidden the keys in Constantinople. Ezio uses relics of the first civilization that holds memories of Altair to relive Altair's experience during which players will control Altair. It is essentially a dream within a dream within a dream. The game also continues Desmond's story in the modern day. Following the events of the Brotherhood, he is trapped in the Animus in a comatose state. Basically, he has found a safe mode known as the Black Room, or Animus Island. Desmond must find a key memory that links him with Altair and Ezio to reintegrate his splinter subconscious and regain consciousness. While in-game, Ezio meets a variety of historical characters, including Manuel Paliagos, an heir of the now-lost Byzantine Empire, Byzantine Templars who will be lurking in the shadow of Constantinople, Prince Suleiman, who will one day become the Ottoman Empire's greatest sultan, and his uncle, Prince Ahmed. As players progress through, we get a lot of story about the first civilization, uh, about what has happened in the past, and the fact that not only will the ending of the war work towards, you know, 
basically bringing peace to the world, so to speak, but it will also save all of humanity from a great catastrophe. It is the key to unlocking something that is going to be happening in current day. So everything that you're working for, you're working for in the real world as well, not just in the past. I'm not going to give away any spo- make any spoilers here or give away anything in the ending. Needless to say, the more that you unlock about the story, the deeper you want to go and the more you want to learn. It is a well-crafted ride throughout the Assassin's Creed world. The characters are lovingly voiced, well-animated, the dialogue is superb, and the gameplay is fantastic. An additional thing that I like about it was the, was the sort of mini-game involving sending assassins around the world in a risk-style maneuver, where your assassins were sent to basically usurp control around the world, and particularly the Mediterranean of the Templars, and bring light as you did as you were to unlock them and basically take care of those areas those assassins leveled up and became very useful to you you can use them in missions send them on their own or another great addition not only could you just send them on their own missions you could do the missions alongside of your brotherhood assassins as well you're a true master of the assassin order in this game you're involved in everything from the little mini defense games to actually in combat with them in the quest line and storyline. It is a fantastic installment, and I highly suggest that if you even were a remote fan of any of the Assassin's Creed games, that you do take the time to play this game as well. If you're lucky enough to buy it for the PlayStation 3, it will have the original Assassin's Creed game with it so that you may play through it. Other games can be picked up very cheaply and will put you in the right mindset for the story. Many of them are on the bestsellers list and for good reason. Get your hands on this game and play it for fantastic story, for fantastic writing, for solid gameplay, and for modes of gameplay that you didn't think would possibly be available in an Assassin's Creed game. It gets my highest recommendation. While I might not call it Game of the Year, it's damn near close. Like, I don't feel sick. It's just talking is going to be a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, you don't sound as girly, so that's good. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time you say that and you don't sound like Harley Quinn. <laughs> oh, you're playing on the beta this weekend, Dan? You're going to have to answer faster than that if you want to hold my attention, brother. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Today. <laughs> there's a delay, you know. That, there's not much of a delay. There's a drunken delay in Hoogs. <laughs> not to mention he literally lives on the other side of the country. Or yeah, the world. The world. Country. <laughs> Fucking Americans. Everybody's going to yeah, be I'm in American. their country. We, we think everything's our country. <laughs> <laughs> the world is our country. My son beat Batman, though. He beat the... Um, the main campaign, he's at, I think, about 75% on everything else. He's been just Man. lock and load. He's good to go. You <laughs> need to get that kid to farm some Riddler trophies for Man, you. He actually he's doing some of his own right now. I don't have the heart to make him do that. I actually like my kid. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
That's because Vince actually sounds sure like a man. I'm not sure how to respond to that. He sounds like a man tonight. That's why. Man. <laughs> Probably your first episode in forever where your voice won't crack. <laughs> you went fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a kick-ass freaking mage. I want something yeah. that can... Because I got my ass handed to me over and over again by these little old gray-haired ladies that shot out <laughs> fireballs that would freaking take a fortress down. It's and, awesome. And it's like, I want that. But then every single time these two old biddies come down and, did you hear something down there? I think I heard something. <laughs> and then they come downstairs and it's again, these freaking like dragon sized fireballs that you're gone. The, the, the storm cloaks central location. And I'm crossing that huge briz, briz, bridge briz? spanning the chasm. I don't know. Now those things are practically falling out of the sky for me at this point. I actually have dragon souls banked because I don't have any words to unlock. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> I sound like I'm doing you know, it on purpose. They're dude, random. <laughs> we're not going to have anything to talk about when we start talking. It's just Skyrim wasn't even in the show notes. So there you go. We're, we're yeah. good. I Bonus figured I'd content. bring it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's CO takes. <laughs> Can't remember what race you are? Jesus, Dan. How can you not remember that? If you were Australian, you'd try to forget too. Oh! <laughs> Not exactly race, but funny nonetheless. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Delayed reaction Dan, there. We've, we've missed you, Dan. <laughs> we get tired of making fun of Hoogs. Point well, he he doesn't he but... doesn't get most of what we say. <laughs> I press my button. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad that I laughed at that. <laughs> Don't make me laugh that much. <laughs> so sad. This is the phlegm episode. <laughs> so why am I still playing it? We don't need it. I'm going to answer it. Jesus. Are you still there? What just happened? Oh, don't worry about it. When I'm done editing it, as long as I'm not on a crap load of meds, you you won't even be able to tell. Only Dan and Hoogs will know. Nobody leaves those two fuck nuts. So we're good. We're golden. You got a little time to kill. I just follow that crowd of people. You'll wind up out on his dance floor. I dig in the finest little five-piece group up and down the Gulf of Mexico. I guess who's leading that five-piece band? Well, wouldn't you know it's that swinging little guitar man? Hey, hey.